0: The following is a production of Art Trap Productions and is made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash british sci-fi. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also brought to you by Doctor Who Podshock, the premier international and oldest Doctor Who podcast. Check it out at Pachock.net. The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi with Dave Cooper and myself, Louis Trapani.
1: we put a hole in your head. Can you spare me some of those boxes? Okay, relax. She's back. That's for the Reynolds and the Chewellins. Oh, and um, Iris Price called by. She was looking for painkillers.
2: It's much better. The infection's almost gone.
3: (laughs) Yeah, the gunshot didn't kill me, but I think you will. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Now you're a vampire.
2: More like a gunsmith. Closest thing to a weapon we've got.
3: Esther, my blood isn't magic. It didn't make me immortal. What is it? A lead?
2: Six million suspects. We have to find and interview six million people. You're looking too close at the facts. What else should we be looking at? Fiction. Look, I'll trade you six million people for one short story because the London office, they found a story. It contains five points of reference identical to the Harkness case. Now, the murder of John Podesta unsolved, This is where we got lucky. We still have the murder weapon with blood on it. We have blood. This is not the promotion I expected. This is for you. This says Lucy Staten Meredith.
3: You'll be traveling under that name. They're taking you to the blessing. Mrs. Cooper, Mm -hmm. Ralph Finch.
4: Can we come in? Not without a warrant, no. Oh, not necessary, I'm afraid. I have reason to suspect you may be illegally harbouring an unsupported category One deceased. Yeah, up you go, boys.
1: No lights? Er, uh, no. whole house needs rewiring. No worries. We've got torches.
2: Boys, torches down here! All that's down there is rats, so you make yourself at home.
4: Your father is still unregistered, and I can't leave you alone until I know what happened to him. So, you take care now. Seriously, your whole family, you'd better take a great deal of care.
0: And welcome to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and we are recording once again, reviewing Tortured Miracle Day, and we're reviewing Episode 9, The Gathering. I'm joined here with my co-host from across the pond, not in China or, um, was it, um, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, yeah. So it's uh, Dave
4: Cooper from the UK. Oh, I was thinking I might be in Buenos Aires and you might be in Shanghai, but <laughs> no, I'm in uh, rainy Man- old
0: Manchester. Yeah, Manchester. I should just say, you know, that this episode of Torchwood is probably the most global of them all because uh, they uh, probably the only place they haven't been in this episode was uh, Manchester and New York. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got those places covered between Dave and I. Yeah, indeed. As you can see, we're here and we're speaking about Torchwood Miracle Day. This is episode nine, and we've been doing this for well since Torchwood Miracle Day began. We've been reviewing each episode on Hitchhiker's Guide. So, uh, welcome back. And if you listen, if you if you made it this far, you know that maybe things are um, turned around. And if I, I know the series was lagging a little bit in the middle, and but I, I think it's picked up since episode seven, I would say. Well, I guess before we go any further, my customary warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 All right. Well, we would have shown we would have had some spoiler clips from Torchwood, but I don't think they've ever said spoilers in Torchwood. So well, look, all those spoiler clips come from Doctor Who. But it's uh, Torchwood is a spinoff, so it's all related. So we're recording this on September 11th of 2011, the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attacks in the U.S. And, well, I mean, it affected the whole world because, um, you know, they were all different citizens uh, from different countries in the World Trade Center. So. The reason why I bring that up is because I think Torchwood, Miracle Day, and, and also, well, Torchwood in general, I would say, is a reflection of life after September 11th. And I think you can see some echoes of that in this episode, uh, the Emergency Powers Act, you know, that was brought into place that allowed search of homes without warrants um You know, certain liberties and freedoms have been curtailed because of um, the events of Miracle Day. And, you know, the same thing happened after September 11th in the U.S. with the Patriot Act and certain things that, um, you know, we took for granted, like going through airports without having to take off our shoes were no longer the case. And now there are thermal scanners or whatever, x-ray scanners, whatever, that will scan your body and... God knows do what else <laughs> to you at the just to take a flight from one from point a to point b, and these are the unfortunate measures that we have to come to someone else um had um posted a picture on Instagram of a flight that he had taken back in, I think, 19, I don't know, 1989. I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but uh, it was a flight that was basically um, not too far from the World Trade Center. and there It's in the picture and all that, and that's just something that would never happen today because of restricted airspace and all that. But anyway, the point is that Torchwood is a, um, especially now with Miracle Day and the events that take place here, I think uh, you can't help but noticing some of the reflection of the times in Torchwood Miracle Day.
4: Indeed. Uh, one of the characters, the one played by John DeLancey, the Ellen, Alan Shapiro character, mm-hmm. even he says, uh, you know, the one of the characters says, you know, one by one, they're dismantling our rights, as it were. And the point is, that has much more believability uh, in a world where we've undergone such, you know, radical Changes and assaults on your everyday freedoms, and so on, that um, it almost pays to be paranoid nowadays. Uh, what, I mean, a lot of people will think one day being paranoid will be right, <laughs> but um, it's certainly. Um, we've always said this, haven't we? With uh, with dot two, uh, if you go even back to cowboys or whatever, uh, they've always reflected the 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 decade in which they were produced. Probably the most. Um, Clear views of those were if you ever watch anything that was made in the seventies. I mean, the stamp with the seventies all over them are, are, are the sixties, indeed. So um, yeah, every definitely. writer yeah. that brings stuff to the screen is is um, without the, almost subconsciously it, it reflects the, not just the actual you know the, the 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 slang words that are appropriate of the day, but the underlining mood in society and. Uh, The idea of, uh, you know, there are levels of government, there are levels of uh, society and organisation, which uh, we rarely see anything of. You know, the conspiracy theorist people just have a ball with it all, but uh, it makes uh, a series like this seem that much more plausible
0: well it i mean you would you couldn't even imagine maybe the series taking place in the nineteen sixties i mean the nineteen it, it would be a whole different thing than I mean that we were in the Cold War and it's a whole different atmosphere and again, like you said that's reflected in those times and the times that we live in now are reflected in the fiction that we see here and even um um Dane's you know his background and having him as a character just this week, I had posted a uh, someone had uncovered this Jim it. Uh, segment with Mark Hamill from 1980 that he was promoting Empire Strikes Back. And uh, if you're not familiar with Jim, Jim will fix it. It's um, it's a British uh, like children's show. Right. It was aimed, aimed really for yeah. children. And he would I the, the one that I most notably know is the one with um, I think his name is Gareth Jenkins. And he was uh. Was given the wish to, uh, and it was the, the current Doctor was the Sixth Doctor on Doctor Who, and he was given um, the wish to uh, appear in an episode of Doctor Who, and it was like a mini episode they did for this uh, Jim Will Fix It show, and he gets to uh, he, he he's dressed as Colin Baker, and he's well, he's dressed as the Sixth Doctor, and he appears on the TARDIS with the actual Colin Baker Sixth Doctor, but anyway, getting back to um, what I was going at with Mark Hamill, someone had uh, commented on my posting saying that. It was kind of creepy the way Mark Hamill was so friendly with the kid, and it was like an eight-year-old kid and all that, and it's just like a reflection of the times that we live in that, you know, back then you wouldn't have even thought of him being, you know, overly friendly or creepy whatever, but now, you know, it seems like it's a shame that, you know, we're in a different world that we have to, like, worry about, you know... Why is this adult being so friendly with with children, you know? And now you have a character like Danes in the series and it seems like we're reminded of that all the time.
4: Well well, whole societies have lost their innocence re- lost their innocence really. I mean uh, but uh Yes, I, I think we don't. We, I mean, the Toywood story is uh, been depressing enough at times. We don't want to <laughs> depress our audience further. No, 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 but, uh, no, no. So, well, but I, I do, I do take the point. I think you made the point so eloquently last week that, um, you know, you, you can find. Grim enough details in one's own personal well, life. Well, that's the whole thing. Specifically, yeah. uh, you, you do want escapism. I remember when I, I used to be a big fan of Buffy and Angel, still am in effect, but I remember Angel going to a very dark area, but not just for three or four episodes, for like a whole season and a half, as it seemed. And they were losing viewers by the dozen. And it wasn't because there weren't great dramatic stories, and it wasn't because of uh, David Boreanaz. and his, uh, what his name is, uh, uh, slightly wooden acting. Uh, it was basically because it was becoming uh, overly uh, depressive without without any illumination of uh, fun. I mean, I think there's. Although I, I, I must admit, I, I haven't noticed in the last couple of episodes quite the amount of humour we were seeing in the earlier ones.
0: No, no. Well, I think. Oh, uh, I, well, I, I think one of the major differences. I mean, that was my complaint too. That there wasn't enough humour in it. But in the first six episodes, it just seemed like if you will our heroes or the 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 um protagonists they, they they were being defeated every time and it seemed like there was no win you know and we kept on going from, you know it was each each one each episode was dark and depressing and it seemed like no you know they didn't seem like they were getting anywhere these last few episodes at least now we have a sense that we're getting somewhere and we're going somewhere where I, I felt uh, we, that wasn't the case before. I mean, now I'm sort of at the edge of my seat waiting for the next episode, and the first six episodes, that was not the case. So I think that's part of the difference is... Um, but you're right, the, I, I see very... Uh, there's less humor in you know in this particular episode, or, or the last few episodes, yeah, the, there seems to be less humor. Well,
4: well, as I say, I mentioned the John Delancey character. I mean, he... he uh, uh, Alan Shapiro he's brought some back into it mm-hmm. but even as uh, as recently as the last episode when we thought as though we were really progressing up you know on a, a steady climb to the you know the climactic hopefully ending of it our hopes were dashed somewhat when uh, you know Gwen was repatriated to the the UK and uh, Captain Jacks Shot and sprawled mm-hmm. on the back of the car, this was how it was left last week and uh, esther 's driving, not really knowing what she 's going to do yeah and, and suddenly we think and um, and, and Rex uh, has had to go back into the CIA and, and cover for them and uh, the 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 mole within the CIA seems to be dashing uh, all their plans and uh, you know sabotaging things and uh, we 're thinking blimey, we 're almost back to the beginning we, We've come almost full circle. So um, uh, there was a real sense of progression. Anyway, this is the episode we're talking about, uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I thought there was an awful lot in it. I feel as though we could have... It's episode nine. I feel as though we could have got here in six episodes, but um, I think there's a lot to talk about on this one. No,
0: I agree. Well, first, let's, before we go any further, say that this was written by John Fay, who had written for Tortured Before, Children of Earth, but he hasn't... He had not written for anything up you know to now with tortured miracle day, so and also if you're interested in John Faye, we interviewed him on talk to you, Pachak. I think it was episode one eighty seven it was last year, and it's uh, you know obviously we couldn't speak about Miracle Day at that time, but we did talk to him about his work on Tortured Children of Earth. So if you want to take a listen to that, I believe it's Dr. Hupachak 187 from um, last year, I think was February 2010. So uh, if you but it's it's good to see, you know, in a sense, this episode had that same momentum and um, that I felt with Children of Earth. It had that same feel I felt in this episode where There was lots of, you know, cloak cloak and daggers and you don't know who was what. For instance, the the spy across the street from Gwen's home, we don't even know who he was. Or at least I'm not sure if he's working for the families or he was, you know, obviously he has pictures of Jack. So I I would have to imagine, I guess it's for the families since they want, you know, they want Captain Jack. But. Again, it, I, I it just there are lots of layers here and lots of things going on and overlapping, which kind of reminded me of, um, like I said, Children of Earth.
4: The good thing about that, I thought, was you know Gwen had a good uh, explosive start with Gwen, although I thought she was rather rash after she shot the. Um you know the surveillance camera to take her hood off but that was obviously so we knew it was her not riversong in the car oh sorry (laughs) wrong show and um but the point is i'm thinking she's a little bit uh, careless she's so wrapped up in her father she's not noticed she's being watched and then we get the point later on where uh she rings this and the man answers the phone he said Mm -hmm. "Uh, where's my car keys And, and all the little thing and then jack's there and in a short line of dialogue uh, when he, when Captain Jack's given him the option of, uh, you know, killing him, well, not killing him, disabling him, or him drinking the retcon, uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, forgetful like, thing. Yeah. She, yeah, she already says, and I've done it to you a few times before, so I'm thinking, oh, right, so she wasn't oblivious to him watching her. She was just neutralising him every time she needed to, because obviously if she, get, if she got rid of him, they'd send somebody else in his place. Yeah. So, you know, I was... Far from thinking that she'd basically, you know, gone into protecting a family. Uh, like she says when she's talking to her husband early on, These, um, you know, first time they set up these camps, we all stormed and project, uh, p- protested. This time we're all too busy taking care of our own family. And I was thinking, oh, perhaps Gwen's doing that. She's, she's losing that. I mean, when the lights went off, I'm thinking... Well, if I was her, why is she grabbing for the guns, expecting the door to be kicked down? Instead, Reese is saying, you know, it's time for a bit of hanky-panky. You know, the lights are out. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think they handled that very well. They did that. They played that very well. Before I I got sidetracked with John (laughs) Fay, I I want to say this was also directed by uh, Guy Furland, who I I believe has directed before for um, Miracle Day. And as as you mentioned before, John Delancey is back and Teddy Sears is back as the blue-eyed man. But, oh, I don't think, you know, we only have one more episode to go, but I don't think we're going to see him again since he did say to Jilly that he we won't meet again. So I'm assuming we probably won't see him again. Though Again, everyone's been telling Jilly Kissinger we won't meet again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I would get very paranoid. You know, you're given a one-way ticket and people are telling you, oh, well, we won't meet again. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, the guy Furland, he, he directed uh, episodes uh, five and six. Five and six, Catching okay. Alive, a and I think that was the one we almost said could have been a two-parter. Uh, mm. it, it flowed, they, they flowed yeah. very much into uh, one of those because it was straight following the death of Vera at the end of five and straight into six. So they may have been almost shot as a, you know... Back-to-back, well, I've, Yeah, know. back-to-back, yeah.
0: All right, well, the story opens, I, Dave, you were right to uh, remind everyone how last episode ended, and you recapped that very well, and this starts now two months later, which I wasn't expecting. That was like <laughs> the biggest shock, or nice, or, you, you know, that appear on the screen that it's two months later. So uh, we're in the UK now. Captain Jack and Esther are in the UK. Was it uh, Scotland, I think? Scotland, After, yeah. yeah.
4: Still part of the UK.
0: Yeah. And uh, Rex, like I said, this is the most global one. Rex is in the U.S. and um, working in the CIA, and then uh, um, Gwen is in Wales. But uh, eventually, they they start globe trotting all over the place. Category ones have become, you know, bringing category ones to ovens now have become pretty much routine. Even Kai Owen's character, um, what's his name? Um, Reese Reese was offered a job as a a lorry driver, driving category ones, you know, to um, to the ovens. And even Gwen was saying, "Oh well, we we do need the money." (laughs) Well, he
4: didn't say directly to the ovens. I think he said to the the holding facility. Uh, The holding facility. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But the point is, she's pragmatic and says, "Well, we we need the money." Uh, And of course, we should have we had that first mention last week of the category zeros. Uh, the, and this was the, the sinister turn that, that, that the, when you were talking about the, the state of the world now that people would perhaps not have accepted that possible uh, suggestion that, um, you know, the government's going to decide now that uh, some people that should have died, well, we're going to revoke that uh, and they're going to be incinerated, not on a medical basis, but on, uh, you know, a state judged right to live, as it were. And even
0: category ones now, you. It seems like they're just trying to clean up as many people as they can, and because uh, uh, what was it uh, the, that second? Yeah, the man,
4: the, man, the man outside the chemist yeah. shop. He he, he recounted a uh, member who only had a bad back, as far as he was concerned.
0: Yeah, being carted off. People are afraid to go to the doctors because you, you don't want to be a misdiagnosis could be a trip to the ovens. Mm.
4: The the whole. Um, thing that, that, that then followed on from the, it's actually before the Captain Jack scene was gone, is um, we had this uh, van turn up outside after this very nasty man, by the way, that you heard in that clip, the fl- uh, Finch chap, who uh, gave him a very sort of uh, nasty warning as though he was annoyed. He, he knew they'd got away with something, mm. and it, it, that was uh, really put his back up, and basically he wasn't going to let them get away with it, he was going to come back and catch them, you know, do a dawn raid at some point and, and get in and then and of course uh, we think it's back to domestic, the the panic's over, the van turns up, uh, this chap then we the door opens the back of the van we see the, the delivery man tied up and I didn't know, it. I thought that might have been Captain I Jack I thought the same thing, it was. I thought it was <laughs> going to be Captain Jack and uh, it's of course Bill Pullman, Oswald Daines Lovely. Uh, I love the way that Gwen sort of carried on normal. She, <laughs> she just goes toes. and
0: takes a pot Gwen. and starts drying it, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then. I was thinking of Amy Pond uh, whacking away in, uh, oh, it might be a spoiler, that, but in a, in a recent Not True episode, mm-hmm. uh, Amy Pond picks a pan up. But anyway, yeah, and gives him a right old crack. And then Reese, even that was good. He says, no, you're not going to prison for killing him. I don't do it, you know
0: <laughs> that, that's my job <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, again I always I, I think Kai Owens really nail, you know really plays Reese I mean I, I mean I haven't seen yeah. Kai Owens in other parts so I but it just seems like you know I he, he really embodies Reese and really brings him to life and and Gwen you know she's you know <laughs> she doesn't take anything you know even when the when uh, that that guy first comes and they inspect the basement she picks up a knife and she has you know and and uh, Reese is saying no 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 and uh, you know she she's ready to do him in cuz at that time it's just i think it was just him and, and a couple officers and that was it it's interesting casting this uh, police uh whoever he was uh, you you had the character's name i, I don't the, the casting the of him it, right. it, he's a he's not a very physically imposing actor, you know, and it's it's interesting yeah. that they casted someone like him to be such a threat, you know. Of course, yet you know he has the police force as you know backing him up, but it's just interesting casting, I, I thought on that point.
4: Yeah, Ian Ian Hughes was the actor who played that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks. And that um, thermal app is. I mean, that's just I mean, you can have a thermal app, sure, but you need hardware to go. You know, you just can't install any like a, an app on your phone and it will automatically start detecting thermal um, <laughs> thermal waves.
4: You you need some yeah, sort of hardware as tra- well. Yeah, that was on the second surprise attack, wasn't it? but yeah. um, On this first one, I mean, the 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 uh, and of course um, the, the Oswald Dane's character. I mean, one of the things i have been thinking is. First of all, I was thinking, is the, he the key to it? And then for a couple of episodes, I think most of us are thinking, well, he's actually a sideshow to this. He's, he's, he's drawing tension away or he's a red herring and whatever. He, he obviously has some unique abilities. I mean, it, although even Nestor um, challenges him somewhat when uh, you know he says he's got a name and uh, he's got uh, uh, um, not Gilly uh, uh, Kissinger's laptop and you know, the poo-poo in that idea. He says, no, I know my way around. I knew she'd uh, cancel everything and following. And it was him that uh, realised that um, uh, the Esther character, um, Jilly Kissinger character, mm-hmm. try saying that fast, the Jilly your character, <laughs> uh, you know, disappeared off the map because she's had that meeting on the park bench with the blue-eyed man. And uh, she was well, given a new uh, name. Going off to Shanghai. Yeah, to, yeah. to Shanghai. You know, he's quick to to work out they've got something to hide. He basically, you know, uh, horse trades with them, doesn't he? And uh, and, and then, then of course, we have the, as we said, the park. I mean, we're not trying to tell people the story. They've watched it, so I'm going to withdraw from that line of talking because Mm -hmm. the people in the room don't need me to tell them what they saw. We're trying to interpret, you know, how how we responded to it. So uh, I'm going to respond now by saying, well there was a little bit more humour now I've started to talk about it. I really felt as though there was a momentum building up here and the the, the, the threads were intertwined uh, nicely just as we thought Rex was sidelined uh, they need his information on the, um, you know, uh, they need Mandarin, uh, a translation of Mandarin so they phoned him just as we think that uh, Rhys Re- Williams is a, a side issue, you know, and he's playing with a kid's ball and he's really sitting there you know, like uh, you know, while his mums and dads do the work, uh, and he's spinning the globe, and uh, you know, uh, what's this? Shanghai? What's this? Buenos Aires? And before he can warn them, that's when the Finch character comes back uh, for the second yeah. raid on the mm-hmm. house.
0: Yeah. Well, as as far as Rex goes, Rex de- suspects you know there's there's a leak in the CIA. There's a mole there. In fact, I thought when. Um, and I don't remember i don't don't know her name, but the 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 one that is working for the families there that that agent she goes into the office and and probably says you know you know misleads them by saying that there's no no lead on the DNA and all that and then she walks away and then Rex calls her back and asks about you know sending the story to her to him to um to, if you can uh send that uh digital story to him or whatever. Um, Charlotte Well Wills, I think someone just, Duckworth said it. All oh, right, thank in, you in chat. Thank you. Anyway, so I thought at that point that maybe Rex suspects her, but then later on it didn't seem to be the case because I thought maybe he was just playing her to see how she would react or something like that, and um, but it didn't seem to be the case. So that's sort of building where, where you know now he's going off the grid, and but now she detects where he's going, and
4: um, we'll see how that plays out. I'm wondering whether. They've, they've flagged that this woman is is the sort of the mole in the organization, and Rex is cozying up to um his boss to say what 's permission to do things now i don 't know about you but every every film i 've seen where somebody is uh, afraid that there's somebody in the organization and they don 't want to talk the one person they go and tell is the person who is is the mole i mean uh, you know yeah. they, they'll well, ring up their old friend, and and it turns out he's the one pulling the strings, the puppet master, anyway. Yeah. So uh, I'm well, still uh, a little bit um, wary. suspect of. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, same here. I I I I'm um, hope I'm wrong. I because I, I really like the John Delancey character, but I, you know I like I said last time I'm still a little wary. You know, just you can't trust anyone. So, but so far, you know, I'm hoping I'm wrong, and and you know, and and he's not somehow connected, but. Time will tell. Yeah, interesting that Est, you know, two months have passed, and so far, I mean, there's no mention about maybe what, whatever happened to Esther's sister or kids. So that's another loose limb there. Whether or not that will be resolved in episode ten or not, we'll find out. As we mentioned before, Julie Kissinger now has a new role. He was, she was promoted in the last episode, and two months have passed. So obviously, he's, she's broken um broken up if you will or left um Danes as as far as um, being her you know being his go-to person and um I don't know how you know he took that whatever I mean 2 months have passed so there's a lot of stuff that maybe went on that we hadn't seen on screen yeah. and now they're bringing her to um to see the blessing they have plans for her. It's really not. I mean, she's she had this meet, She was was brought over to um to China. And he met with she met with one young fellow there who, um, is, uh, obviously is one of the is a one of the a member of one of the families. And um, yeah, it's just classed as a
4: chat. The Chinese is he no surveillance guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, tra- he, he well, I don't know what yeah. his,
0: how they. Termed his character, but you know he was there with the cell phone and um, was you know when when Julie Kissinger introduced herself as her name, you know using her name, she he said you failed the first test and you know that guy.
4: Yeah, the a young man or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. But again. Uh So,
0: I mean, but I don't know, they they have some plans for her as being a spokesperson. She tells the story, so somehow they want to communicate with the rest of the world, and they want her to do it, and in order for her to do it, she needs to see the blessing or whatever, and supposedly the blessing is so intense that some people are killed by it or um you know as she gets closer and closer you know she's saying that 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 woman that she meets oh you must be feeling terrible and that's the big mystery that we're left with you know at the end of this episode is what is this blessing what you know we don't know its origin how does jack jack's blood fit into it all and that's where we left with you know where all this is going we don't know
4: Right yeah I mean, I was interrupting you yet again, I'm sorry, but I am, no, I'm fine. slightly concerned I'm slightly concerned that we're basically telling the people of the plot of the, the program this scene rather than saying what our thoughts and feelings were about it. Um, but I, I do feel as though that, that having that two- months' gap has allowed us to believe, <coughs> excuse me, that the characters have grown in certain ways, particularly the Esther character and so on. Maybe we could do with a second clip.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say we can take a break and then we can do um, a clip and then hear what everyone has to say. They can put themselves in the queue. (laughs) Not not the queue from Star Trek, but um, not the John DeLancey. But uh, you can call, which the number is 724-444-7444 while the show is live, and then the call ID is eleven. eight two five one one zero eight two five is the call ID. What we'll do is we'll take a, a quick break and we'll remind everyone about Audible, which is the premier provider of, of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from, and that spans all different genres, including science fiction and fantasy, but also business thrillers romance they have it all covered and their titles play on all different types of devices including iphones kindles maybe even that thermal device that that character you know had in this episode androids over 500 devices for you listening anytime anywhere similar to this podcast And for listeners of this podcast, for listeners of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. And even if you decide it's not for you, um, you still can keep your free audiobook. So to get your download, to get your free audiobook, download it at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. And there's no hyphen in the sci fi, just one word for your free audiobook. And as always, we like to uh, make a recommendation or a referral. And we, since we've been reviewing Torchwood, we've been referring tor- uh, Torchwood titles. And one such title is a story called The Sin Eaters. And this is um, by Brian Minchin, and it's narrated by, Grenith- by Gareth. David Lloyd, who um, played Iñanto in the series. This is a sample of that from, from the audiobook. This is Torchwood, The Sin Eaters.
1: They had run out of proper road a few miles back, and Jack was clearly loving sending the SUV tearing along muddy tracks. In the back seat, Gwen was focused on the screen, determined to keep a hold on the bizarre signal that had led them all out into the night. Initially she'd been peeved when Yanto had started to ride shotgun with Jack every time they went out but at that moment was glad to be out of their bickering. Yanto cheerfully continued, Oh, fine. You realize the other side of the hill is the sea? Jack hit a series of controls on the dashboard, and the engine sound shifted from gently growling to roaring. He shouted over the engine noise. Just adjusting the differential, engaging four-wheel drive. I've never really tested this to its limits. Gwen had learned from Reese to worry when a man starts speaking like Jeremy Clarkson. With a screech of wheelspin, the SUV leapt forward, charging up the dark hillside, stone and mud flying in its wake. Not that Gwen minded. It was late on a cold summer night, and she was desperate to solve a mystery that had been outrunning her for days. She'd noticed the bizarre rift readings by chance, and then had been astonished to see them repeated night after night. Whatever it was, it blasted into the sky at precisely 2am, always on the coast, and it never lasted for more than ten minutes. Each night she chased them in vain, but this time torch had would have been prepared. And she was all for Jack doing his impersonation of Lewis Hamilton if it got her to the source before the signal faded. Gwen vaguely remembered the paths through the woods from when Reese had taken her for a picnic on the beach when they were first dating. Reese hadn't realized it was a nudist beach, which had certainly made the backgrounds of their photographs interesting. Jack yelled, "'Someone open the gate!' Before they could react, he went on, "'Change my mind!' Ever wondered why the SUV had such a big bumper? Bang! The fence went flying. They were accelerating towards the top of the hillside now, the coast opening up below them. Gwen's hands whirred across her keyboard, struggling to keep track of the weakening signal. I don't really want to say this, but we need to hurry up. It's another thirty meters west of where we are. Stop! Yanto yelled. By west, you mean straight ahead? They were meters away from a steep cliff on the edge of the choppy sea. "'Moonlight played awkward patterns on the black waves. "'Can you see a path down to the beach?' Gwen asked Jack. "'Yanto glared at her. Don't encourage him.' "'Jack wondered whether he should tell Yanto "'that he'd once outrun the lava flows of Etna on a goat cart, "'or that he'd escaped down the forbidden ice slopes "'of the Axion Mountains on a sled. "'Instead, he asked Gwen, "'We're losing the signal, yeah?' Gwen nodded in response. "'And it's definitely down there.' "'Another yes from Gwen.' Well, in that case, I can't see any reason not to, but it's pitch black, Yanto intervened. Exactly, Jack grinned. Nothing to worry about. And they were off, careering down the slope like a triplet of turbo-powered lemmings.
0: That's a little taste of it right there. That's uh, Torchwood, the Sin Eaters, and that was Gareth David Lloyd, who plays in Yanto, but he's also obviously narrating the whole story there, so he's taking on all the characters there. And that could be your free audiobook. book. Uh, Anything that you like that Audible has to offer can be your free selection. And again, to download it, go to audibletrial.com slash British fi for your free audiobook. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. And if you're driving or you're unable to remember that URL, simply go to either arttrap.com or podchock.net and you can find the link to the offer there. And now we're going to return to our review of Tortured Miracle Day. And this is episode nine, where it's 10 episodes long. So we're at the we're, we're at the climax now and it's only one more episode to go. So this is um, Tortured Miracle Day, episode nine, The Gathering. We have a, another clip from that, and then we're going to hear what you have to say. So please put yourself in the queue. We want to hear what you have to say about this episode of Torchwood, and um, not just maybe this episode, but maybe, um, maybe past episodes of how you feel, you know, where the series has come and gone.
2: Is the shopping?
4: I realize this might be something of a surprise, but... What's going on? I've been told
2: that you have certain information that I need. What do you want? Jack Harkness. Oh, my God.
4: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, I know. Hey, I
1: thought you were better.
4: I'm fine, I am, but don't worry. Jack, you once asked me for help. Tell us what you know. FICOR gave me an assistant, a woman called Jillian Kitzinger, and in my
2: crate over there, I have Miss Kitzinger's Latta. For God's sake, is that it? One man's name keeps reoccurring, Harry Bosco. Harry Bosco isn't a man. Harry Bosco's a process. What's she translating? What's she mistranslating? Because the three families changed their name, now Jillian's changing words? Maybe they're connected.
1: Once upon a time, there were three wise families, and they went out into the world. One family took politics, one family took finance, and one family took media.
2: So what do you want me to do next?
1: Stay in your hotel and wait. When we're ready, you'll be taken to the blessing. I hope you survive.
2: Sir, so, what do you mean by that? Well, some people die. The blessing, it kills them. He didn't say it's a blessing my life was saved. He said the blessing saved my life. They mistranslated it on purple. It's in Shanghai. The blessing's in Shanghai. Why'd they burn down a blood bank in Buenos Aires? I mean, why burn down the blood bank at all? We don't even know what the blessing is. Maybe it's some sort of ritual. Maybe it happens in both cities at once.
4: Gwen? Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, and just before you go to anybody, uh, let's just let me just uh, read. Um, Duckworth says uh, the story has been a lot of false starts and dead ends, uh, like a real investigation. But Torchwood is now circling closer to the family. Uh, All the three families. Uh, we didn't really discuss what um, we thought of the actual uh, blessing ourselves when. Um, you know, we actually get to see it. I mean, I'm not actually sure what I saw, uh, Lewis. I mean, it wasn't the fact that there was this great rock, cavern, towering rock that seemed, as, as was described, went all through the earth. But there seemed to be they can't have been rocks because they were, they were like floating like anti-gravity around, right? almost like blood cells around it. Well, that,
0: that's what I thought I it, what it was. What? I thought it was blood. And I said, I said to myself, that can't all be Captain Jack's blood. Even Captain Jack said that they can't really replicate it. It doesn't really do, you know, it has no special power or whatever. So that's the big mystery here is what's what's his blood got to do with it and how does that fit into it all? And, and I, I'm, I'm assuming that this corridor that goes through the world is causing the morphic field because that's what jack was looking for what was causing the morphic field uh, and uh, so i imagine that i you know well again it's still a mystery and then alien technology is going to have to play a part in it somewhere because i mean what they've done is something beyond human technology and and so you know, somehow that's going to have to play into it because I think if it just turns out to be, oh, well, this is just some mafia families that have just gotten ahead of themselves, we might be a little bit disappointed that, you know, <laughs> that's, that's what it all came down
4: to. It really was stunning the way they did it. And uh, I, for one, was was intrigued. I wasn't expecting anything like that. Uh, and we've been, one of the things we have been complaining about is that there doesn't seem to be enough alienness in this series. Well, um... It, it, it certainly didn't look natural this uh this phenomenon that they were staring at
0: yeah yeah i mean it reminded me of you know like when you see bats entering the cave like uh, at night uh you know when bats enter caves and all that that's what it looked like but obviously this was like like you said it looked like blood and you know what that's all about we don't know it's but going back to I think what you had said earlier and what we had said before was um this whole tortured series, it seems to me that the first six episodes probably could have been condensed to three, and then um the last three would have been you know maybe it's or the last four seven, eight, nine, and ten, so maybe um you know it, maybe seven maybe if we if this was um seven episodes or six episodes it might have worked better but there was um, something in the middle of the series. It, it seemed to start dragging a little bit. And uh, now, I think, since Episode 7, it's really propelling forward. All right, well, let's get to okay. um, our callers. We have uh, Davros, 1179. And I'm going to say welcome back because he was on Dr. Who podcast earlier today. But welcome to Tachyka's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Davros. Thank you. Hi. So, what's, yeah, we hear you. What's, yeah, we you. What's your okay, take great. on this episode?
3: One of the first thoughts that hit me watching this episode and seeing how they portrayed Jack um, the way they did, I, I got this feeling the whole time that uh, we now have an American doctor. Because it, it reminded, it took me back to Chris Eccleston's first episode when Rose was talking to him about, uh, so you think the world revolves around you? And he says, yeah, I do. And I think now... The world's revolving around Jack Harkness, and we've we've got an American actor playing a doctor-like role, and I I, I thought that was really really kind of weird, but just how important Jack is, like his what it is about Jack is controlling everything that's happening to the entire world in this whole Miracle Day thing.
0: I mean, I can't speak for Russell T Davies, but I, I think part of the the idea behind Torchwood is to was to do something where he could do a Doctor Who-like storytelling but without the limits of doctor who in other words not being restricted to just family content and to go a little further and darker and um and i think that's so i i i think people had made that comparison early on you know with uh especially since uh, even though he didn't regenerate he couldn't die so it was sort of like that same thing you know uh captain jack was an analogy of of the doctor he even was keeping the hand of the doctor in his uh you know by his desk you know at one point and all that so um you know he's had that vortex from the tartar the, from the tardis engulfed into him and um and it's keeping sustaining him and all that so yeah there's i think there are some parallels there Though I'm not sure, John Barrowman is. Uh, I don't know if he's. Uh, I, isn't he Scottish? I, I think he, he was originally. I think he was. Wasn't he born in Scotland and then brought over to
4: yeah, U.S.? I think he's got Scottish. At least one Scottish parent. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. I actually read a bio on him, and he was he spent time in America and was raised and things, but he was born overseas and mm-hmm. thing and things like that, but. Yeah, I I think it's it's cool. I was I wasn't making a negative comment about that. I just think it's really cool that we have somebody uh, basically as important in the world as the doctor, and he's not British as as far as his accent, the way he speaks. And I just never thought I'd see something like that out of what became what you know originated as a a UK based show. So I actually thought that was kind of cool. He
0: he does try to uh, do a London accent there at one point where he's. He was visiting from London. I wasn't sure if he was trying to pull an accident or not in, in, in the scene of this episode.
4: I half expected him when he was at the sink and that finch catch came in for him to put his arms around uh, Oswald Day and to say, yeah, me and my boyfriend are just visiting. If it was Rex, he would have. If it was
0: Rex instead of Oswald, he would have. <laughs> just to make Rex feel uncomfortable.
4: Yeah. Any other what do you think of the actual uh, yeah what do you think of the actual blessing itself was it what you expected or completely off uh,
3: well, I actually agree with your take on it um i I really don't know what I was looking at I mean in a way, I guess because there was so much build up and you know they wait till episode nine to actually show us what we're what we're supposed to be seeing and it, it, at first, my first take was kind of a letdown just because of and not not because it was bad or anything, but because it's like, what, what am I looking at? What am I actually mm. supposed to be seeing? And like you said, you just kind of see this crevice kind of rock formation and these uh, blood cells or entities or whatever they are flowing into it. And you don't really know what you're looking at. And it's just kind of, you're, you, it's, there's a lot left to the imagination of what this possibly could be. And I personally haven't watched episode 10 yet, so I wanted to not know what it is yet before... I listen to reviews and stuff like that, so I have no idea what it's supposed to be. But hopefully, I'll find out when it, when I uh, pull up the DVR.
0: Yeah, same here. Yeah, I think we. I think for the most part, if I, uh, I think a lot of people were probably disappointed, or because there was so much build up to it, and now that we see it, there has to be more to it than what we're seeing. You know, be it you know not, not maybe um, visually, but maybe something. You know, obviously there's some sort of effect that that it has on people. What causes the fact yeah. that... I mean, even even the families don't know if it's alive or not, and they're, they're, they seem to be a bit mystified by it.
4: Well, it obviously has some sort of presence, doesn't it? Because it... Um, as it said, the, the people that die are usually... I think the the, the character said the, the people that die are the ones with malicious or evil thoughts or something. So yes. it, it's selecting... Mm-hmm. It's doing a selection process, isn't it, of some sort?
0: Well, there, there was a line which I don't remember what the line was, but they say uh, it's uh, it's a reflection of themselves. They see them when they see the blessing. They they see themselves. Uh, something that along those just lines.
4: Clip three.
0: Let's let's play it. Oh well, uh, 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 what, do you mind, Davros, if we play it while you're on the line? Well, yeah, will come Not back. Not at to all. You. Okay. Not at all.
3: Love all right. the
0: clips. All right. <laughs> well, here we go.
2: I need your permission to go off-grid, sir, and I need to go now. Okay, what if you need backup? Well, then and only then will I contact you, sir. Minimum notice, because if we've got them all, I can't risk anyone finding us out. This could be the blessing. Good luck. I think I can get us in. What about Buenos Aires? I don't know. Which city is it?
4: Buenos Aires? Shanghai opposite sides of the world quite literally opposite sides of the earth yeah yeah so
2: they're the antipodes of each other two massive population centers
4: balanced on either side of the planet
3: as the old saying goes count your blessings because it turns out there's two of them
2: what does it mean look at the five car logo the letter five circle with a line through it it's been right there in front of us staring us in the face all this time a line through the world the blessing you must feel terrible that's what the blessing does to you the closer you get. I've seen people look upon the blessing and end their lives. There's a brilliant
1: truth about that
2: because each and every time that person is hiding something vile. Isn't that wonderful? It's exhilarating, the damage it does. I wonder what you'll see. What can you see? What does the blessing tell you about yourself? That I'm right. You idiot! You told me that was healed. You're not better at all, are you, yeah. Let me see.
4: It got worse when we
2: arrived. Can't say I've been to China before, so I'm not well versed in their customs. I never knew about that. Mm. Whoa! Is your blood? No wonder it's killing you. I think. Us the way. It's the blessing it's somewhere over there, and I think whatever it is,
4: it's calling you, Jack. And just before you go back to, to, to Davros, uh, some of the words—if you didn't pick them out—she says it's a brilliant truth. They find out people are thinking vile thoughts. And I think the Julie Kissinger character says, she says, what do you feel? She says that I'm free, I think. Yeah, it's pretty
0: interesting, you know, and she seems to be thriving with it. You know, she, she seems to be enthralled yeah. and thriving on whatever feedback she's getting from the blessing. So I, I don't think it's having a negative impact on her at all.
4: Davros? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, any comments from that last clip? Has it reminded you of anything more you wish to add? Uh,
3: really, the only the only thing it reminded me of it that I was thinking at that at that moment is just uh, how much like. Of, of the characters that, that I've really enjoyed in Miracle Day, uh, the two characters I like the most are ones I didn't expect to like the most and that's Bill Pullman's character and I like the Jillian character. I, I, I love the fact that, you know, the lady is telling her that, you know, the the blessing affects people, you know, in a very you know, very distinct way and a lot of them don't don't survive it, things like that, and yet here she is and she's almost empowered by it and you can just see the the utter just joy on her face. It, just, it it kind of proves the fact, at least to me, watching it, that she really is as sinister as she has as she is made out to be, and she's that I I really really like that about her character.
4: Yeah, well, I, we've had no more references about the devil, have we this week? Yeah, no. The that that seems yeah. to
0: have um, died off a little bit, but <laughs> but uh, we we'll, won't we'll rule it out haven't. yet. <laughs> It's, yeah. But it's interesting I, I, casting. I I thought Bill Pullman really is pulling off. Um, someone had mentioned, someone during the week, and I, I hate to go off on a tangent again, said to me, uh, made some sort of comment about Spaceballs. And I said, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. I should watch that. But it's going to be, it would be difficult to see Bill Pullman in that after, you know, coming off a of Torchwood. But uh, it's, he's... a a much more talented you know actor i mean that whole the character that he's built up here as um oswald danes is really unexpected and um and i think it was very bold for the you know the people behind torchwood you know russell t davies and jane Esperson and all that to uh to put a character like that and now they're forced to um to kind of take him on with the torchwood team you know and um, it's interesting how this is all going to play off and you know here the, the Gwen and and um, Reese were t- almost taking turns you know at him in this episode and um, and, and now they're going to have to take him on as a team member really but I think well, uh, I think um, Davros is right though I I think you know it, you didn't really come off expecting to kind of like his character and and um i don't know if like it's just it's it's just interesting i just find him um to be a very interesting character
4: uh, it's well it's like often i mean um you have to have these characters that are you know off the ball and outside society because they're the ones that can perhaps see connections that you don't i mean you, even in films i mean it, there's a a really strange film called pitch black where they had a, a character that was like a cold-blooded killer. But the point is, when they landed on this planet that was pitch black, he was the one that was most likely to survive because of his skills. So, I mean, in these sorts of... I mean, any any programmes you've seen where there's been survivors... Um, again, I don't want to be spoilish, but if you see something like, um, not outcasts, but uh, survivors, you know, it's the one that's on the margins of society that sometimes suddenly come into their own because they have the necessary skills that a normal person in society would never cultivate, but those skills actually may have a survival element or whatever in a new, in some new shake-up of society. And the, the very fact of his, you know, his underground activities on the internet and that had given him the insights to spot things. So... Uh, it's very strange. Um, well, you mentioned but, the survivors. Yeah. I,
0: I still have yet to see that, but that's a that was originally by Terry Nation, wasn't it?
4: Oh, the 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 nineteen seventies one, yeah. Yeah, and that and Terry know.
0: Nation did Blake Seven, and that was an ensemble of criminals, really. So it, that was coming off on that same direction, really. Hmm.
4: So, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm ready to wrap up uh, yeah. uh, and ask Davos as well. with on, but I mean, basically. Uh, I did, I was pleased that I've stuck with it. Um, I can see that some people may have not gone through the long haul. Ten episodes perhaps was a mistake. Uh, it's certainly episode seven onwards, I've been extremely happy with it. I, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, we do feel, as though somebody I mentioned earlier on in text, that the, you know, the group is now a cohesive group and uh, they realise that this is so important, they've got to pull together. Uh, we've got this intriguing edifice, or whatever you want to call it, that's been uncovered. One other thing I just mentioned is uh, we still don't know the significance of the blood bank. I mean, the, the fact that this we saw this blood moving across the floor almost in a magnetic fashion. Mm. We don't know whether those blood banks were blown up to, to hide the fact that those those... You know, the blood, if it was left in those cities, would have given the game away, given the um, death, you know the location away, or whether in fact the, the the blood from those was taken and used to feed this thing and then they were blown up to to hide the fact that the blood had disappeared um we still don 't know which of those two scenarios it is, but um really um I am very excited about uh, episode 10 but by it's about time. Well Davros how many weevils would you give um
0: this episode?
3: Uh really I'd give it a 5 out of 5. Uh I I was uh the middle episodes kind of lost me I stuck with it because I've I've watched it from the beginning and I pretty much watch any Doctor Who spin off there is so but the, this episode kind of brought it back for me and uh kind of felt very torchwoody to use
4: a term, so I'd definitely mm-hmm. give it a 5 out of 5. All right, very good. Well, yeah, uh, And I've asked in text for people to put some ratings in. We've had a few people that have to drop off, but uh, if those are still in text we'd put it. I would say uh, 4.5 Weevils, as does Cybob 4.5 out of 5, because, um, you know, I mean, it should be, let's face it, they've had an awful lot of build-up. Uh, Duckworth has put 3.5 Weevils, so... Um, uh, you, I don't think you said, did you, lose
0: yeah. No, no. I, my, uh, what, what, my rating would be a four point five. Weevils, you know. Uh, mm. I, I don't know if I, I, would go to to a full five, possibly. Uh, but it's just where this episode's at in the series is really what pushes it th- to that level, really. I mean, it's just a shame that it it took this long to get there. But I think this mm-hmm. is really, to, to me, this has the most feeling of children of that I felt with Children of Earth than any other episode previous to this. And I think my highest rating before this was for you know I think episode seven and maybe episode one. I I might have given it four out of five. So this I would have to push up to four point five Weevils, um, possibly five. But I think four point. We also failed to mention or maybe we didn't, I don't remember, but about Gwen's father, that we uh, we lose Gwen's father here and essentially they they say sorry for your loss, so um, eventually, you know, whether or not it happens in this timeline or whatever, but it's it's driving Gwen even further now. Now Gwen is more he just she wants to put this to an end because what they've gone through, what her mother went through, you know trying to suppress the father while the were this house was being searched, and all that mm-hmm. um what I'm getting at is there's, there's a very high emotional l- content here and 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 it puts us on on that level and these are characters that we've come to sort of what uh to care about to some degree and um and and to see what they're going through and what life has come to um it's 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 really um it's it's fleshed out very well here, so I, I I think they
4: did very well with this episode. Yeah, of the text uh Danes is a com- uh, a complex, com- uh, complicated but a very intelligent character, uh, and th- those uh, and I think he means and those sort of characters are the most interesting to watch. And Duckworth puts looking at a reflection of yourself, uh, the staring into the abyss. Mm. Um, yeah, so it it was not what i was expecting and as Davros has said i mean uh, flummoxed with someone, I, i'm not sure the uh, all is but
0: dave can you just say the last line again you're you're breaking up
4: dave
0: Oh, just just pause for a bit and then start again. Okay, start again. <laughs> I'm not hearing you at all now. I don't know if it's just me or Davos, Was that f- were you hearing what? Dave? No,
4: yeah, uh, uh, actually, I couldn't hear you.
3: Yeah, but you guys broke up on on me, and then Lewis came back, and then now I think I can hear Dave.
0: You know what happens? It's probably the the time we're recording in is right now. We're entering prime time, and I think everyone's you know charging up their netflix account and you know and the internet is getting bogged down a bit <laughs> all right well we're we're wrapping things up here anyway so we'll be back next week with episode 10 which i believe if i'm not mistaken is called the bloodline it's uh, it's the, the fi- bloodline yes all right it's the final the bloodline blood, okay so it's the final episode And we'll 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 review that episode and we'll review the whole series as a whole, I guess, on that at that point as well. So that's next week at 7 p.m. We hope you can join us hopefully grambling back. And Davros, I know we we kept you on long. So thank you for hanging in there.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Cheers. All right. So um, I guess until next time, any other any final thoughts, Dave? I think
4: I've said everything I needed to say. If you've listened to this and but skipped a couple of episodes of uh, Torchwood, try and catch them and watch them.
0: I should also remind you, and also to remind everyone about uh, both Dave's and um, our other shows. There's uh, you can the the latest Doctor Who Pachak is out, which is a review of um, Night Terror. Is it yeah, Night Terror? We Terrors. just we just recorded our live show. It hasn't come out yet of um, our review of. Um, the girl who waited so that's coming out this week and you can catch the cultum collective they've just reviewed the same episode the girl who waited and that's at 2 p.m on sundays so uh dave can you give the call out and the call id for that yeah
4: we do it on Tortue like this and it's uh id 54821 and next sunday we're doing the god complex fantastic all right, well, I think, and
0: obviously you can catch Doctor Who, Parchock at net, and also on iTunes. So I think that's going to wrap things up for this um, episode. Okay. Cheers. All right, so until next time, cheers, everyone. <laughs> For listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci Fi, you can send feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci Fi.com. To support this podcast, please visit ArtTrap.com and click on the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. You can also visit the shop there and get your Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci Fi swag, which includes shirts, mugs, and assorted trinkets with the show's logo. This has been our Art Trap production. You can visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.